Hey everybody, before you listen to the show, two quick things. I hope you and your loved ones are safe, happy and healthy. Secondly, stop right now. If you haven't already, check out our free to access conveyance and service for mortgage brokers and estate agents. Mortgage brokers must check out our free to access services at the mortgagebrokerclub.co.uk including over 25 categories of mortgage broker tools. Stay well and I hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to the MLC show for property professionals. I am your host Sean Rogers and I am delighted to be joined on today's show by Rosalia Lazara, the founder of Elvici, Staying Inspired and also the co-founder of The Content Hive. Rosalia, how are you? How's the past year been? Hi, Sean. I'm all right, thanks, as as well as I can be during, you know, what's going on. But yeah, I'm really happy to be on the show. Thank you. And please tell us about your early career and what your background was prior to setting up the content hive. Right. Uh, so, yeah, uh, it's been a crazy year how this all came about, as you can imagine. I just spent my last six years in financial services working in between a brokerage and then after working for a brokerage I worked for a lender a specialist lender so that's my background in financial services uh, which all came about by accident anyway as it usually does I didn't wake up one morning thinking gosh I really want to sell a mortgage like I think that's just a fantastic idea Um, It came out about by accident because actually my formal education, like my actual education is in languages. Uh, So I studied to be a linguist and then, uh, yeah, fell into this. So here I am. And then because of uh, COVID, um, you know, my actual employed career uh, was turned upside down and um, my business was born. And you're pretty active on TikTok. I was wondering, (laughs) can you tell us a bit about your experience of using TikTok and whether there are any opportunities you think maybe for estate agents, mortgage brokers, self-employed professionals on there. I think many see TikTok as solely an entertainment channel. Oh, it it definitely is. I mean, if you're having a sad day and you just need to laugh because it's just all about having fun, right? It's all about just having fun in your business and in life. So I just, basically TikTok was born out of uh, lockdown and and furlough right so I spent a lot of time on there and mainly because I'm, I'm a dancer um, nothing to do with mortgages I realized that but that's what I originally downloaded TikTok for just to get a bit of fitness at home um, you know practice all like the, the trends that are going on and then when I um, got bored of all that and started my own business I realized that it could be an opportunity uh, to share really short snappy messages really short and and sweet kind of um top tips about what i do at the content hive and elevici and how i can share my top tips um and it's great because um whether you are a whiz at like video editing or recording you don't need to be because like a lot of the features are on there for you so it's just a really good short way to get a video out there and to get some of your messages out there and which digital platforms would you say property professionals should be focusing their time on if any stand out perhaps more than others in terms of being more relevant I think a few people may get overchunked a little bit with thinking well how am I going to have time and how am I going to create the content necessarily for Instagram Twitter Facebook 
LinkedIn, now you've got TikTok, everyone's talking about Clubhouse. Are, are there any digital platforms that say state agents, mortgage brokers, um, IFAs and the like you think should maybe be focusing their time on more than others? That's a million dollar question, Sean. Everyone asks the same question. Which platform should I be on? And like whenever our meetings begin, because I mainly work with mortgage advisors, IFAs, um, all in the property space and, and mortgages and lending. Everyone's question is always, oh, I don't have Instagram. I don't have Facebook. Do you think I should be on there? And, and it's kind of like that FOMO feeling, that fear of missing out because you think you need to be everywhere and anywhere. And I'll be the first one to hold my hands up and say, I only use one platform mainly for business, which is LinkedIn, because the way I see it is I like to use the analogy of like fishing and I don't even do any fishing. I don't know why I like the analogy, but basically the way I see it is if you're trying to catch a certain fish, right, your ideal client, there's no point sitting there in a tiny little river, uh, hoping that a great fish like a tuna comes along and you get to catch it you know uh, you've got to go fishing where the fish are so my top tip and the, the biggest advice that I give to my clients is don't feel like you have to be everywhere and everywhere just because all of your competitors seem to be do what works for your type of client your ideal client so 90% of my business comes from LinkedIn so of course even if I create a TikTok I don't actually post it on TikTok I just download the video and post it on LinkedIn. Um, and that's how it works for me because that's where I get the majority of my business. Whereas I've got other clients who um, literally just use Facebook uh, because that's where their ideal client is. So for property, I think I would say first figure out within that niche or within that sector, what kind of client are you trying to attract and where do they spend their time? And then go there and, and dedicate your time to that channel. Once you get that right, then transfer it somewhere else. So I could be on YouTube. I could do Instagram. I could do all of it. But just get nail one first, you know, get that right and then move on to another one. And I think that's great advice. And a number of property professionals, especially in the mortgage industry, are looking to increase their leads, either A, to grow their business, or B, there's a lot of new brokers looking to increase introductions of work where would you recommend they start and what are the steps they should take to increase instructions online again great question because everyone wants to do this with an expectation of getting something back so every time one of my clients thinks well i'm not posting at all at the moment i'm like okay so they want to start posting and then the next question is how many leads can you get me and I'm like, none, I can't promise you leads. I can't, you, you know, you, that's not what you get. That's not what the intention is for social media. It's all about building relationships, okay? That's why it's called social media. You know, it's about being social. So first step, the intention and the goal of being on social media should be to build rapport and to build relationships during these remote times. We're working remotely. Um, I haven't seen a physical client in over a year. Like I've, I haven't met any of my clients face-to-face. -face. I've met them all over Zoom. So my clients are just little computer people. One day, I'm sure I'll get to meet them in person. But the point is I've been able to build a strong enough relationship whilst we've been working from home. And that's because I, I think I put my success down to the educational content that I put out there. I'm not pitching, I'm not advertising. I've, I think I've sold 
one thing over social media, which was a webinar. That's the only thing I advertised for sales, but everything else was just giving away my value, my content, my education, everything that I could do to help people via these social media platforms. Off the back of that, the next step, if you want to step by step, so step one is get content out there and educate people. Step two is build relationships through being engaging. So engage with other people, comment on other people's posts, write personalized messages without the pitch, you know, get to know people, take the conversation off of social media and try and get onto a Zoom, try and get onto a phone call, try and get them into an email. Don't keep it just on social media. Try and expand the relationship and create multiple touch points with your client. So those are, for me, the most two fundamental steps, which is put the content out there to get your brand awareness and to share your knowledge. But secondly, be, be social, just, just be normal like you would. If you weren't into a physical networking meeting or you met someone, you wouldn't just regurgitate all your pitch at them and then walk away and get out of the room. You would actually stay there and have a conversation. So just be prepared to spend that quality time with your uh, viewers with your followers before you expect them to pay you for something and a lot of people I mean I've never known anything like it across so many different sectors over the past year it's certainly I don't know if my memories are distorting things from a decade ago but everyone seems really stressed for time I've never known so many and I'm talking cross-industry in terms of financial services, legal services, anything and everything you can mention. So I think a lot of people might say, well, I've got my website, I have got a social channel, but I'm just so stressed for time right now. And therefore, they may be tempted to say that's one for tomorrow. Or I, I actually, from a mental health point of view, just feel a bit overchunked. Mm. Because I think deep down, I know I should be doing something on here, but whether it's a confidence thing, but sometimes it'll be time. What would your advice be for people who say, look, in between trying to make nine billion pounds a year, stay healthy, stay well, run the house, homeschool, uh, everything, and that's without you know anything else in your life, like hobbies or so forth. What would your advice be for them in terms of looking at their time management and social? That is such a core part of what we're going through at the moment. It's it. So there was a, a wave. There was a time where we all spoke about social media well-being and and reducing that social media presence because it was so overwhelming and so taxing on your mental well-being. Whereas now we've we've done the total opposite. We've done a complete U-turn and we're spending more and more time on social media for personal reasons and now for business reasons as well. So especially in my business, it feels like I'm on it 24-7 because more than ever before, because before I used to probably just go on it for personal reasons because I used to see my clients face to face. And that is predominantly the main or the common uh, pain point that we share in financial services, which is 99% of advisors are used to getting their business through referrals, word of mouth, through having a shop in the high street. And that is what they're used to. So social media was just a by the by thing, you know, just a thing on the side. Now it's completely the other way around where they find themselves, they're not visible. They can't just be seen on the high street. They're not bumping into clients anymore. They're not building relationships at the pub saying, yeah, I'm a mortgage advisor, you know? Yeah, you could use me. Like that's not happening anymore. So they found, find themselves online 
but still strapped for time. So I'm not saying that everyone should solve that problem by hiring a social media manager. I'm not saying that we are the solution to that every time. In fact, I think there's a lot that advisors can do on their own before even thinking about hiring a social media manager and incurring that cost in their business. So first things first, if you are strapped for time, the number one thing you could do is set aside one hour a week where you create the majority of your content within that hour and pre-plan it. So I plan all of my content a week ahead. So I know what I'm going to post everything next week. Now things might change something. I might react to something and I might get inspiration on the day and might just create a quick post on the day. But really I've got my content planned out because I don't have time because I'm doing all of my brokers content and all of my IFA's content. I barely have time to do even my own. So um, I've got the same pain point as you guys. So what I do is I set a time maybe on a Saturday or a Friday where I say, right, I'm going to write five posts. Um, and these are the posts that I'm going to post next week. Now, the second top tip is, yes, one, pre-plan, but two, consistency is much better than perfection or volume. So if you can only handle one post a week, just do one post a week. Like it really don't overthink it. Like it's better to do that. A lot of advisors, I find that they wait for that utopia moment, that perfect time when they say, oh, when things are quieter, I'll just start posting. It doesn't work like that. You might as well just post now weekly, then wait until April to post daily. Like just, just start now, just do one, one thing. Yeah, I completely agree. I think the other thing from a practitioner point of view is, in the past, I've worn quite a few hats. So I've I've worn the you know director in a big organisation with a lot of employees, and I've been in the new startup. I've probably an easy way of explaining that I've been David and I've been Goliath to a certain yeah. extent. And I think regardless of of which you are, I would say, and I don't just mean this for social media, but I think the biggest change I've made in the last three four years which has made a huge difference to my way of working which I hope I'll keep with me now is that in the past I was a bit insecure about my own knowledge in certain areas so for instance I might have said right I'm quite good at x y and z but what do I know about websites what do I know about digital media what do I know about social what do I know about Facebook advertising Okay, and certainly let's use legal services for a moment. That's extremely common because you saw a lot of law firms look to do one or two things that they would either use third parties to do a lot of them areas, or in particular, use claims management companies who they perceived as having this mysterious, magical way of creating new introductions of work. And that's how that big in industry boomed, if you like. And I think actually what it boils down to, that it wasn't just me doing this. And the best advice I could give to anyone for multiple reasons is that anything your business has to do, no matter how big it is, you really should have a go at it. Even yeah. if, if you're a big organization, you should go and sit down even for half an hour, an hour with the people internally that do things. Because I, looking back now, sort of pre-2017, how could I and my fellow directors or even me in this environment now sit with someone who wants me to outsource something to them, that wants me to pay them money 
if I don't know how to do it or if I haven't had a go at it myself, how am I going to smell any BS for yeah. a better phrase? And I think, you know, look, it happened to us. We, we, we have, I, I won't name names or even say too much to give the game away, but we had someone who came to us, having been recommended, not in this business in, in a, this is four or five years ago. And the things that they were telling us to do were outdated. It had worked for them when they were in a big organization, but they'd stopped being a practitioner. So they were still teaching people to do things that worked three, four years ago and the world had moved on yeah. and they were charging quite big rates and to be honest, getting away with it. And I think that's the big danger that whether you're a self-employed IFA or whether you're the, even the CFO of an enormous estate agents, I think you should have a go at various things yourself, even if it's like you say, an hour on a Friday watching a video on whatever it might be. Could be to do with your social media content strategies that are working now. Because you do need to keep up to speed with it. Because even if you know stuff now, and I just think that little bit of housekeeping is massive for people so that, like you've just referenced there, the vast majority of things in life, you're actually paying for the convenience yeah. But I think that's what it should be. So it should be, I'm willing to pay for the taxi because I don't want to walk or I don't want to get the yeah, bus. But I can drive, right? <laughs> but the problem is, I think a lot of people are outsourcing because they don't know and they haven't got a clue. And I think that's yeah. really dangerous because how are you going to know that what they're doing for you works? But also, like you've just said, people will say, I want leads. Yeah. And that means they'll lack the patience. Yeah. To be a good client and for the partnership to potentially work. Because a weekend they're gonna be like, where's the lead? Yeah, because they're <laughs> looking the money. for that annual group. They're looking for who's gonna buy now. And they think that because you're a social media manager, you secretly know where all the customers <laughs> are hiding. Like they think they're hiding like behind the post, like yeah, oh, they're in your garden. Yeah, they're like in the garden, like, yeah, I was here. And that's not what a social media manager does. So I think I feel like uh, my uh, brokers buy or my clients buy from me for one of two reasons one they know what they're doing or they know what they want but they just don't have the time so the biggest reason is you know what Roz we can afford this we can afford for you to come into our team and for you to be our social media manager our marketing person our strategy we want you to do this right we haven't got the inclination because especially in a broker's world in financial services the best use of a, a, an advisor's time is to actually advise like that's where your time should be spent. So everything outside of that, if you've got the luxury of the time, do it everything else yourself. But if you don't, if you feel like you need to be spending more time with new applications, now cases are taking twice as long these days to get through. There's um, lots of uh, things to firefight on a case like down valuations, uh, timings on you know deadlines and things like that. So that's where the advisor's time is best spent, which is if the advisor's doing everything on their own in the business, what ends up, they're spinning so many plates. So what ends up falling off uh, their plate is the social media stuff. So they end up putting that on the back burner because they haven't got the time. Now, the second type of uh, broker that I see is someone who isn't doing any of it yet because they're not really sure what to do, how to do it. So they want to outsource everything, the knowledge without learning about it first. So they expect to hand over this whole online presence to you as a, as a social media manager, but then expect this huge return 
Um, and the hardest thing about that is if you've never done it before and if you're inconsistent already, you're putting a big load um, and, and expecting something very quickly. So I'm actually, I've never been in this situation before, but uh, as an example, I've got a, a new advisor that's uh, potentially going to sign up, but he hasn't even got a LinkedIn profile yet and recognizes that his ideal customer is on LinkedIn. So we're starting from complete zero. He hasn't even got a profile yet. And his first question was, how quickly do you think we can see leads? But he hasn't even got one follower. He hasn't even got one connection yet. So we're starting from complete scratch. So the other thing I'd like to say is reflect on where you are in the process, where you are in the journey. Are you starting from complete zero where you haven't posted anything? So technically you have no social media presence, even though you have a profile, but you have no presence. Or have you already been consistent and done something and you've got something there in the library of your content, but you just need to take it to the next level. And that will determine your journey on how quick or, um, you know, how soon you, you may see a return. Yeah, just to add to that, I also think something that was important to me, which has made a big change is I really, I did two things. I audited my time, which was painful. It's horrible. But to look back at how you've spent the last week, say, and think of the time that's been wasted. You know, if you're going to relax, I think a lot of us do things that aren't really very relaxing. So we're, in a way, we're wasting that time and not getting the actual relaxation benefit. And then there's just a lot of stuff, like you say, that you could be doing scrolling for some kind of personal or even just out of a habit. When actually, if you add up all them minutes and lock that in, and that's the other thing that I did is I got a bit more disciplined with my calendar. Yeah. I was able to say, right, if I'm going to have telephone calls, I'm going to have appointments available. And that's interesting because I had a reputation across various sectors of your phone Sean whenever he answers. And there was a bit of an educational process because I think a few people's noses who know me was put out of joint a little bit that they're looking at my email signature and seeing a Calendly and then they just hit me voicemail if they phone outside those appointments. Now, I have emergency ways around that for people who need it. But in the main, that was crucial for me because it enables me to set up that weekly. You know, I, I have time in my diary literally for emergencies and firefighting because mm. I know that's going to... That's very wise. That's good. Whether shot. you like it or not, that's yeah. going to come up. And, and it might not even be that. It might be that you're ill that day or your kids need looking after and you can rotate your diary around. So it can't be set in concrete. But I lock in some time to go on social and, and literally have half an hour of just doing it, not yeah. for work or anything else. I lock that in and it feels better because you've kind of made the time for that. And I think all that's in your time. And if you get, like you've said, if you're going to do something like that and it is only an hour a week, I would say the best thing you can try and do is then make that hour work in the most enjoyable way for you because otherwise you're probably not going to want to do it and therefore it's hard to keep as a habit. So if you're confident on video, then it makes sense to do that. But if you aren't confident on video or in essence visual formats, yeah. then like you say, you might be an amazing writer and then yeah, you've got loads you can do in relation to that. And the other thing, like you said before, is I think people have got to show patience in that it's a bit, you know, you don't put seeds in the ground, do you? And turn up two days later and go, where's my flower? Where's my sunflower? <laughs> I want this massive 12 foot sunflower. What's going on? You yeah. know, people are just going to turn around and go, are you new? Like, that's not how this works. You, know, yeah. you put the seeds yeah. in, water it, look after it, show a bit of patience. You'll get the benefits in time. And I think yeah. 
yeah, I, I, I think that that would be crucial for people. I'm really, um, congratulations, by the way, on the work that you've done in such a short space of time as well with Content Hive. It's, it's brilliant. You know, I really admire it from afar. You were touching on a few things there. What would be the most common issue or problem that you've helped a new client solve? So we've touched on a few, but what would be your top one? Oh, um, I think the most common pattern that I've noticed is, um, and I don't mean to judge or be, you know, disrespectful in any way, but I noticed that they, they, so I like to go into a business holistically, which is why Elevici and the Content Hive work really well together because I consider myself to be a sales consultant, so a sales strategist, a sales advisor, who happens to also know marketing and social media, which is very rare, like it doesn't normally go together. And so when I look at the social media plan for a client, I go much deeper into just creating a nice post and a nice article. I start uh, without them even realizing, I start to give them a, a consultation on the sales front. So I had a, an advisor, just as a, an example, who runs a very elite, like high end uh, firm. Again, we can't mention names, but runs a very high, high end firm. And he's like, yeah, uh, you know, all of our um, all of our leads um, majority come from um, private banks and um, really high end introducers. There you go. So yeah, I want to go on social media and I want to find uh, developers. I want to find investors. I want to find self-employed, um, you know, portfolio landlords and things like that. And I was like, sorry, remind me again where you get the majority of your leads from. And he was like, yeah, introducers. I was like, so why not grow your introducer network and get more introducers who give you more leads? Because if that strategy works, let me show you how you can do that on social media. So I can show you how you can. So everyone thinks that you go on social media to find the end consumer and to find the person who actually pays you. But it doesn't have to work that way. If you get the majority of your leads from an estate agent, build your rapport and relationships and your social media presence with estate agents. So the most common problem to answer your question is that advisors feel like or my clients tend to separate sales and social media into two separate categories whereas i've been able to show them how they can get sales leads and their sales strategy as another pillar in their business through social media because like any business you need you don't just have one income stream or one sometimes you do and that's the problem so if you have one pillar in your business and that is the main source of your leads so in financial services for example every single advisor says all my leads, you know, what's your lead gen strategy? Referrals, anything else? Not really. Well, if that pillar fell down, where would you get your business from, right? Where, where, where does it come from? So I like to see myself as like multiple pillars within the business. Maybe I can only offer you two pillars out of five, right? But the point is try and balance out your lead gen strategy, your sales strategy and and so that's where the Elevici part comes in with the content hive, which is balancing that sales approach, um, the sales funnel, the sales strategy, but just using social media as well. So that's, yeah, that's the problem. And I think that's so right. You know, I, I know of a business that I think 
I know of a, of a, a business elsewhere, this is going back about 10 years now, but they had a huge contract. And what slowly happened over time is they stopped paying any attention to some of the other ways they could have grown, some of the other emerging mm. markets within their sector. And then all of a sudden they lost this big contract. Uh, legal battle over the sort of termination of the contract. But the problem they have is they died on cash flow. Because then you're in an urgency mode. And I think, like you've just referenced, probably the best thing to do is whatever your main area of sales is, is to make 80%. It's a Gary V phrase, which I love, which is try and make 80% work like 100. And then you've just created 20% where you can lay them seeds and water them flowers for potentially you know, a rainy day. Um, I was interested to get your take on the next 12 months what you've done so much in the last 12 months what are your goals and ambitions for the next 12 wow so in a way so I've always been very into goal setting um because 10 years ago I discovered um personal development you know and I know that sounds very obvious but it was just like wow there's books out here to help me so I I went into that and it was all about you know um bettering yourself and improving yourself and striving for more and you know goal setting and so I've always been a goal setter yeah like an overachiever and it's like once you get there you're like so I achieved it now what's next so I I fell into that trap Sean where I was just over goal setting too much you know uh, and I wanted to strive for more and I feel like because of 2020 what happened right Basically, life was just going a little bit too perfect. I loved my job. I loved my life. I loved my house. I, like, I turned 30 and I was like, wow, like, you know, this is great. I was like, I might, you know. And then a little thing called COVID took some of that from underneath my feet. And I thought, well, that's not in my goals. That's not my plan. So the answer to your question is I've learned to let go a little bit more, right? I've learned because had my goals gone to plan last year, I would not be sitting here today. And I'm very glad I didn't achieve my goals last year. And it's the first time in 30 years, okay, that I've said that because I always try and control the outcome and, and, I, I, and I want to be, uh, you know, the, the owner of my destiny. Whereas last year, uh, because I didn't achieve my goals uh, that I had planned, I'm now here today with two businesses. I've replaced my full-time income with my own businesses in in the space of six months. So I'm very, very proud of that. So I think what happens in the next 12 months is, one, don't get COVID. That's goal number one. I'd like to... (laughs) I'd like to stay alive and stay healthy. Um, Goal number two is to get to the end of the year. There's a certain... I mean, I don't need to share too much, but there's a certain figure uh, you know financial figure that I have in my head that I want to achieve which is double what my um what my employed salary was because why not I've got two businesses so I should be able to uh you know double it up uh, you'd imagine um and I want to become a, a recognized person in the industry uh, one representing women so that was the only that was one of the only reasons I think one of the main reasons why I stuck to financial services because when I came into the industry it was an accident but then I realized that it was underrepresented by women so I want to be uh, just as inspirational and um, as as recognized in the industry like 
you know, the Kim McKinley's and uh, Sarah Tucker's and, um, you know, Nicola from Knowledge Bank. And, you know, there's just so many inspiring women in the industry that I would, um, you know, like to see myself as a peer with them. Um, yeah, and just, I think it's just strange. It's a strange time to, to know what's gonna happen. So just stay positive. I think you've just got to put one day, you know, take one day at a time and do your best that you can in that day. And if someone wanted to, uh, by the way, I fully endorse that. And I think that's, that's absolutely fabulous. And I've got no doubt you will do that. And I wish you all the best with that. If people are interested in reaching out to you and finding out more about your services, how would they go about doing that? So I love connecting with people on LinkedIn because I get to learn about their business. They get to see mine. So that's the best place. Like send me a message, you know, let's have a chat on there. Most of my uh, conversations are on zoom so I'm always having like a virtual coffee with someone even even whilst I actually sometimes go out for a walk we just put the webcam on and like we just walk and talk so I really like that so yeah we've got, obviously got a website you can reach out to us on there but yeah I'm I'm sure you you might share my details number email whatever so we'll be putting loads out and yeah we'll be putting everything on the website uh, clips interviews in written form, audio form, will be going out across social media as well. So that's it for this week. Thank you so much for being such a great guest and thank you for listening. If you want any further information on any of the services we've been discussing today, please check out our website, mortgagebrokerclub.co.uk. Check out the Mortgage Broker Club social media channels for more information. Please share and spread the word about the MLC show for property professionals. And if you are listening on Apple Podcasts, please hit us with a five-star review. And remember to check out the products and services at Mortgage Broker Club. But more importantly, please stay well and take care.